Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to another episode of the Destination Debbie College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Paul. You can find me on Twitter at Gump7285. Joined by my co-host, Derek. You can find him on Twitter at D underscore Cook93. Coming at you with one more episode of the College Football Podcast. Here as we wrap up Conference Championship Weekend. It's been a damn good day of some college football, I'd say. Lots of chaos going on with the college football playoff rankings and whatnot, and I love it. My Michigan Wolverines are taking care of business, up 23 on Iowa right now, so they've solidified a spot for the time being, it would seem, barring you know anything drastic happening. But we'll dive right into that here in a little bit. Florida State still has about seven minutes left, up 10-6 on Louisville, so we'll let that one Hopefully finish up here in the next few minutes, see if Florida State can pull it out or if they finally take a loss. So we'll kick things off with the good old transfer portal. I believe it officially opens on December 4th on Monday, if I'm not mistaken, where players can actually commit to another school and whatnot. So we've had a lot of entries already and a lot of speculation, but we'll go ahead and talk about the guys that have already Made it known they're entering the portal. We'll kick it off with our boy, Cameron Ward out of Washington State. That's a big one. I honestly didn't see him transferring. I figured he would go to the NFL or go back to Washington State. But he's opted to transfer. And rumors are he's already received 10-plus NIL deal offers north of $1 million from, of course, 10-plus different schools. So... Where do you think Cam Ward ends up? What's your prediction right now? To be completely honest, I think a Big Ten school. I say that as in, you know, Oregon or Washington coming in next year. Uh, they're, they're both losing Bo Nix and Michael Michael Penix. Uh, to me, it makes the most sense. Um, you know, you look at Georgia, Carson Beck staying. You look at Alabama, I would assume Milrose also staying. 
I'd like to see Ohio State on board with this one, but I don't see that happening. Maybe Michigan, but you know, I think there's another guy on this list we're going to talk about that's probably got, you know, Michigan's keyed in a little bit more. Um, but to me, those two are, I would say, the the, the front runners for me personally. It's it's possible he ends up at a Big Ten school. It wouldn't be surprising with all the money the schools do have in that conference, but I think he's going to head south. I could see him ending up at Miami, possibly. Tyler Van Dyke did transfer. He's also in the portal. Miami's going to open up that checkbook as well. Texas A&M, maybe. New coach, Mike Elko's from Duke. Uh, Max Johnson is reportedly transferring to North Carolina to replace Drake May. Who knows what Connor Wegman does coming off the season-ending injury. And we know Texas A&M is just made of money, apparently. I think it'll be one of those two schools or Washington, possibly. But, you know, it's always hard to see a player go to a rival like that, especially an in-state rival he's been playing against for two years. But that would be one hell of a get for Washington. Move out Michael Penix and welcome in Cam Ward to usher in the Big Ten era. But I don't know. Even that one still seems iffy with everyone they're losing. You know, the trio of receivers more than likely. Penix, of course. So I don't know. But he's used to playing with next to nothing in Washington State. So he's he's there. But I think he'll go down south somewhere. It's a little bit warmer. Get out of the northeast, northwest. Sorry, northwest up there. But he's going to get paid, and somebody's going to get a superstar for college football and a budding possible first-round NFL prospect in the 2025 class. Like you said, there's another player Michigan might have on their radar, former five-star prospect Dante Moore, who's actually from Detroit, Michigan. I think he goes to Michigan or Michigan State, possibly. New head coach there, and also all three of Michigan's – or sorry, Michigan State's – Top three quarterbacks on their depth chart have entered the transfer portal as well. So they have no quarterbacks as of right now that could actually start a Division One college football game on their roster. I think he lands at one of the two Michigan schools or Oregon, who he was originally committed to before he flipped to UCLA on signing day. Like you said, Bo Nix will be gone. He's a Big Ten guy, possibly wants to play in the Big Ten now. So ultimately, I think he ends up at a Big Ten school, and selfishly, I'm hoping it's Michigan. I wish he would have committed there in the first place, but I think that's where he's destined. What are your thoughts on Dante Moore? Man, you took the three schools right out of my mouth. Uh, Michigan and Michigan State make the most sense because you know Michigan State hired uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Smith, but I, I still think there's a possibility something else could happen there. Uh, Michigan, again, tons of sense. He's a Detroit kid. Go ahead and come home. And then, yeah, for me, third is Oregon. Same reason you mentioned he was originally committed to Oregon. You know, we, we've seen this happen before. A team that, or a guy that was committed to a team flips and then transfers and goes to the school they originally committed to. It's not uncommon. I mean, I, I don't really have much more to add on to it. I, I agree with the three schools you mentioned. Uh, if I had to pick a favorite, I would probably say Michigan. I don't think he's going to go to, you know, Michigan State, you know, I don't think they're necessarily a blue blood enough program for him to leave UCLA to go to Michigan State. Um, Michigan makes sense. They've made, you know, college football playoffs what the last two years and won the Big Ten Championship the last three years. I mean, Michigan to me makes the most sense. I'm sorry about that. Couldn't find the mute button. Rookie mistake. 
but they do make a lot of sense. I think second is probably Oregon. He wanted to go there originally, but I believe a big part of him going to UCLA was the opportunity to start from day one. Of course, Bo Nix coming back, he was never going to see that. So I ultimately I think if Bo Nix would have left last year, Dante Moore would be an Oregon Duck right now. I don't have any yeah. doubt about that. But hopefully he goes to Big Blue in Michigan. I'm sure J.J. McCarthy will commit to the NFL, barring, I don't know, something drastic with his draft score or grade, rumors like that. But I think he's a shoe-in to be a first-round pick this year. And I think Harbaugh is going to kind of give him the nudge he might need to leave Michigan and go make the millions of dollars he's destined for. And one more big-time guy on the list, Evan Stewart from Texas A&M. He hasn't officially entered the portal, I guess, but he didn't travel for the game against LSU and not due to injury or anything like that. He just didn't want to show up and play, apparently, and I think that's because he's headed to the portal. Where do you think Evan Stewart ends up? He needs to get out of Texas A&M in that terrible quarterback situation. We saw what that did for him after Connor Wegman went out. He was basically a zero the rest of the season. He didn't shine. He only played in nine games, I think it is. And three of the games he missed was with Max Johnson, a quarterback. So I've got I've got three schools in mind here again. Um, I'm going to start off with, I guess, more of the obvious one, stay in Texas and go to actual Texas. You know, Quinn Ewers coming back. They're obviously losing, you know, three big, well, two receivers and a tight end, I believe. JT Sanders, Xavier Worthy, and Denny Mitchell are all, all I would say, gone. You know, Evan Stewart jumps in there and is immediate the wide receiver one and can be hyper-targeted again by, honestly, a better, way better quarterback than Quinn Ewers. So, to me, Texas makes the most sense. Um, two and three is probably more 2A, 2B. Uh, Bama and Georgia, you know, we, I think we discussed them before. Um, Georgia, another team that makes a lot of sense. You know, go in there again, be the alpha wide receiver number one there. Carson Beck would have a favorite target after losing Brock Bowers and what McConkey. And then Alabama, you know, Alabama, we've been talking about their lack of wide receivers at, you know, the last two years. Uh, granted, they're putting it together a little bit here recently, again, you know, tonight against Georgia. But I'm sure Jalen Milrow would have a heck of a time with, with Evan Stewart there. Yeah, I got two of the same on my list. Texas number one, Bama number two, same reasons you said, vacancies, big power five school, national champion contenders, great quarterbacks in place. And then I think Ohio State could be one. Marvin Harrison Jr. should be leaving, although there's, you know, of course, the same rumors as CJ Stroud. He's unsure, blah, blah, blah. We all know he's leaving. Igbuk is gone or should be gone. I believe Julian Fleming's out of eligibility or he could be a grad transfer. There's opportunity, Ohio State. I mean, Carnell Tate, Brandon Ennis, of course, coming back. Possibly Jeremiah Smith, the the five-star wide receiver coming in, if he doesn't flip to Florida State, like I think he will. But big opportunity there. Not the best quarterback situation, but of course they could bring in a Cam Ward, someone else, upgrade that in an instant, or look to... You know, Lincoln Kine holds, switch to Devin Brown or the true freshman, Aaron Nolan coming in, could walk in as the starter. Those are about the only three I have. I would like to see, I think it might be a possibility, him and Cam Ward might link up and 
go to a package deal somewhere and cause some havoc and be a nice one-two tandem in the nation. But I think he ultimately will end up in Texas. He's already in Texas. Going to the SEC that he's already playing in, playing with a great quarterback, great coach, great offense. It's like a perfect marriage, in my opinion, going down there to Texas. Yeah, Texas makes the most sense. I will say Ohio State for me was number four, but I didn't want to show my Ohio State bias. Um, but yeah, Texas Texas just makes too much sense. You basically stay stay where he's already at and compete in the same conference and just everything upgrades from there. He's going to be a, probably a first-round pick. At worst, I think a second-round pick in the NFL draft, regardless of where he goes. But he could possibly solidify being the wide receiver one over Luther Burden, Ted Aurora McMillan by going and playing with a Quinn Ewers or a Jalen Milrow. Yeah, it would. If I mean, if he went to either of them schools, you know, he's going to be hyper targeted like he was with uh, Wegman at A and M. You know, it's hard to ignore a guy that's getting twelve to fifteen targets a game. It's it's really hard. And he did very well with Wegman, but I think that was also a product of him being hyper targeted. Max Johnson didn't do a, the best job of utilizing his skill set apparently when they were playing together. But we'll move on some other notable entries. I'm not going to throw out a prediction on these ones because right now they really don't matter too much for the Debbie landscape. Uh, we got DJU leaving Oregon State. Now, just because these guys enter the transfer portal, it doesn't mean 100% they're staying in school. I think DJU is possibly testing the waters on seeing where he can get some extra NIL money and go to another winning program. I think still possibility he declares for the NFL draft in the end. But he is a grad transfer, so he is able to transfer without setting out. Uh, K.J. Jefferson, quarterback at Arkansas, same thing, grad transfer. He is leaving the SEC. I think he'll be a great bridge quarterback for another Power 5 school that doesn't quite have someone ready for 2024 or an incoming freshman, someone to learn, learn behind him. We got Riley Leonard from Duke. I was surprised by this one. Rumors are and the reports are he will be going to Notre Dame with Marcus Freeman. So that could be a pretty good pairing for him to bounce back and recoup the draft hype and stock that he lost due to the injury this season. Yeah, the Riley Leonard to Notre Dame, I, I, I you know, I personally do like that. Um, I think he's a better fit at Notre Dame than he was at Duke. Uh, had a little bit of a lackluster performance at Duke anyways, but yeah, I'm just a Marcus Freeman guy. So I, I love anybody that transfers there. Yeah, I think he'll be better in that offense than Sam Hartman. A bit more of a playmaker, can do some stuff with his legs. I thought he'd be staying at Duke, but apparently he's going to another high academic school. So good for him. And we got Colin Lacey, wide receiver out of South Alabama. He'll be a grad transfer. He put up over 1,300 yards this year and over 800 yards last year for the Jaguars. He was getting some draft hype throughout this season for the 24, recruit, 24 cycle, possibly going to the Senior Bowl. He's already down there in Mobile, Alabama. But right now his name is in the transfer portal, and hopefully he'll end up at a Power 5 school, and we really get to see him on a national stage because he is one hell of a wide receiver, 5'10", about 200 pounds. He'll probably be the best wide receiver outside of Evan Stewart at this point in the portal. And then absolutely, I was going to say he, uh, you know, was fifth nationally in both receptions and yards. So he's a you know a hot commodity at this point. 
I wouldn't be surprised if he stays in mobile. In the last name, a little bit of a hidden gem. Matthew Sluka, quarterback at Holy Cross. Holy Cross. So if you didn't catch the game against Boston College this season, I suggest you look up some highlights or some film from that because he played excellent against the Power 5 defense, albeit Boston College. He's about 6'3", 220, dual-threat quarterback with a lively arm. He's going to make an impact wherever he goes this season at a higher level, and I can't wait to see what comes of him. More for a college football C2C aspect, but he's just a great college football player. I've looked up some more tape and highlights of him, and I just love watching him. I can't wait to see him on a bigger platform. Personally, I don't know a whole heck of a lot about about Sluka. I haven't seen a lot of his game tape, um, but I, I do like to agree with you. I don't necessarily think he's a you know like a Debbie standout. You know, probably won't be NFL rosterable, but for C two C leagues, I think he'd be fun to have for a year. Oh, absolutely! He said, "I think he'll be a hidden gem that a lot of people will know his name by the end of next season for sure." And then now we'll move on to just one Debbie standout that we won't necessarily cover in our conference championship instant reactions and recap. Ashton Genty talked about him last week as well, running back from Boise State. They walked away with a W over UNLV in the Mountain West Championship with the interim head coach. So maybe he will keep the job at Boise after the season. But Genty put up 153 on the ground with a touchdown and another 15 receiving with a long of 50 rushing yards on one play. So he balled out, and he was a very big reason why they walked away with the win today. Yeah, I mean, there's not much to, you know, echo off of what you're saying. I mean, he he balled out, man, had 153 on the ground and 15 through the air, a touchdown, and Boise State put the wallop on UNLV. I, I agree. I, I like the interim coach for Boise State, though. I was uh, after I started watching the game, kind of reading that story, and that was pretty cool. Yeah, hopefully he'll keep the job. I mean, he brought a conference championship to the team, and they were seven and five going into this game. I believe yep. they were six and two in conference two. play. Yep. So I I'd, I'd say he deserves to keep it, bringing that team from. Obviously, you're fighting your head coach in college during the season, which doesn't happen extremely often so hopefully that man gets to keep his job but now we'll move on to our conference championship weekend review and recap first up friday night in las vegas washington and oregon washington came away with the w 34 to 31 honestly i was dead wrong on this game i thought oregon would run it up boat race them and leading up to this game, Oregon's played like champions after their loss to Washington. And it seemed like each week Washington played worse and worse. But complete opposite here. This looked very similar to their first matchup. Washington was up early, led pretty much the whole entire game. But what what do you think of this game overall? Uh, brother, I'm in the exact same boat as you. I thought, <clears throat> excuse me, I thought Oregon was going to walk in and, and just manhandle them the whole game. You know, I'd been extremely impressed with the way Oregon has played down the stretch and not impressed at all by the way Washington's played. Uh, I thought Bo Nix was going to go in there and drop, you know, 400 yards, four passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, and, you know, then win 56 to 28. But that was absolutely not the case. You know, Michael Penix definitely punched his ballot for the Heisman Trophy. Uh, I'm sure Bo Nix will probably still be there as well. But, 
you know, this this game did not go how I thought. Uh, I'm trying to remember because it's happened not today, but the other. Oh yes, 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 yes. Dylan Johnson, man, Oregon could not catch a break with that run D. He had 152 yards on the ground. I mean, that was to me that was the game. 152 and two touchdowns. He MVP of that game all day long. I, it was Washington Strapita the first game, I believe. He went off against Oregon the first game, I thought, too. Yeah, I thought he would be a little bit more under wraps under this on this game with how well Oregon's played recently. But he absolutely killed him. 28 carries, especially on a Washington team when they threw the ball 41 times. Really, he was the only running back. There were three other backs, and they got one carry apiece. Right. So he was the whole shebang for them. Penix had a decent game. Not Heisman worthy, 319, a touchdown and an interception. I mean, Dylan Johnson threw a passing touchdown as well, so he matched Michael Penix in that category. But overall, their offense was humming, and they were on it early too. Straight out of the gate, they were clicking, and they ran away with this one. Bo Nix didn't play terrible. Three touchdowns, a pick, 239 through the air, and 69 on the ground. Bucky Irving was basically non-existent, 20 rush yards and 16 receiving yards. Troy Franklin was under wraps, 4 for 34. This defense for Washington did an excellent job. Yeah, this Washington defense played a lot better than I uh, thought they would, like you said. I mean, the two biggest weapons on Oregon's team, Bucky Irving and Troy Franklin, were abysmal at best. And neither of them had a touchdown. Uh, what was it? Bur- or, uh, Jordan? Is it Jordan James? Running back, yeah, yeah, the second running back, yeah, yeah he had a touchdown. Yeah, Bo Nix was the leading rusher. I mean, Oregon only ran the ball 20 times, you know, Dylan Which Johnson had 28 by himself, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, so Washington controlled the clock, controlled the game, and like you said, never really looked back. They, I mean, really never was in question. Oregon got within three twice and never, never really got the ball back to do enough. Uh, I will say the to me, I think the not necessarily the biggest turning point in the game, but I felt like Oregon was driving a little bit and getting some momentum. And Bo Nix uh, threw that interception when he thought that receiver was or that defensive back was out of bounds when he came back and reestablished himself. To me, I felt like that was a decent turning point of the game. Yeah, on a side note, I'm not a big fan of that rule. You know, on an offensive player, if he willingly goes out of bounds, he can't catch the ball, period. But a defender can willingly run out of bounds as long as he reestablishes reestablishes his himself in the field of play. He can go ahead and catch it. I don't like that kind of double standard there. I think that needs to be something reviewed. That same thing, defender run, like him. The offensive guy was way out of bounds. So was the defender up until the ball is released. Then he hopped back in. Right. I mean, it's all legal in this game, but I don't think that should be. Uh, well, I think it should be the same as like an offensive player. You know, a defensive player can't go out of bounds unless he's forced out of bounds. You know, it, it to me, it should be the same. I, I agree with you on the double standard. I, I think it's kind of a crock of crap. You know, uh, wide receiver can't can't go out of bounds unless they're forced. I feel like it should be the same for a DB. You shouldn't be able to just walk out of bounds, reestablish yourself and get an interception, especially in a game like this. I mean, to me, that was, again, like I said, that was a pivotal point. And I felt like there was Oregon was getting momentum right before that. So oh, it sucks. Yeah, unfortunately. But Oregon is now eliminated from the college football playoff. 
Washington solidifies their spot being undefeated and a conference champion. And we'll move on to the Texas Longhorns and Oklahoma State. Texas absolutely boat raced them in this one. 49-21. It was never in question. Texas came out and put up 35 in the first half alone, 21 in the first quarter. And Quinn Ewers played himself one hell of a ball game, so kudos to him. 452 and four touchdowns. Most ever passing yards in the Big 12 title game and tied for most passing touchdowns in the Big 12 title game. So he ends the regular season on an extremely high note. And our, you're more so your guy. You've been on a Denny Mitchell the last year or so. He did what he does, man. He shows up and catches touchdowns in championship games. Then he got one nice and early. 109 and a touchdown. Tavion Sanders, 105 and a touchdown. And then Xavier Worthy bringing up the rear to measly 86 yards. No touchdowns for him. But this was a fun game to watch for Texas on offense and defense. They contained Ollie Gordon to 34 rush yards. He had 57 receiving yards, but he could not get going on the ground whatsoever. Stout defense by Texas. High-flying, electrifying offense. Just You couldn't ask for a better ending to the season for Texas to show this committee they are one of the top four teams. Yeah, I think that's the discussion to be had about it being a top four team. But, yeah, they Texas flexed their muscles, man. I mean, you, you look at – you know, you go look at the box score for Texas. Like you said, Ewers got four passing touchdowns. The, the receivers you mentioned, uh, you know, Cedric Baxter or C.J. Baxter had one. Uh, was it is it Khalil Robinson, if I'm remembering correctly? Keely Robinson? Keelan. I can't remember. Keelan, thank you. He had two on the ground. I mean, Texas just – they could not be stopped on offense other than the pick that Quinn threw. This was a just a, just a Texas boat slide avalanche. Yeah, they could not be stopped. And now to probably the best game of the day, the SEC title game, Alabama and Georgia. Bama came away with the upset 24 to 27. Georgia's offense didn't look the best. Brock Bowers, 53 receiving yards. Ladd McConkey only 38. Kendall Milton and Dewan Edwards combined for 80 rush yards and two touchdowns, so they really couldn't get going. Carson Beck didn't play a bad game, 21-29 and 29 for 243, but no touchdowns through the air, no interceptions, and he did have a quarterback sneak to bring them back within three points late in the game. I mean... There's not much to be said about Georgia. They just didn't do much. They definitely didn't well, do enough to for it to only be a three-point game, in my opinion. I, I hate blaming injuries, but the very first two names you said about Georgia were both hurt and looked bad in this game. McConkey couldn't create separation, and I don't think Bowers is completely – he wasn't completely healthy from the previous injury. Um, when, I mean, for the most part, that's their that's their passing offense. You know, like you said, Carson Beck, I mean, really, outside of touchdowns, outplayed Jalen Milrow, you know, had more passing yards, um, to me, made better better passes, uh, just didn't get the, you know, the end result. Um, Alabama went out there, and really, they set the line of scrimmage. You know, they, I feel like they hurried Beck a, a crap ton. That Bama defense is a lot better than they gave him credit for, along with their defensive backs. I know, uh, I think can't remember his first name, but Amos came in and they tried to target him with Bowers and McConkey, and Amos just locked them both up. He was, I believe, their nickel cornerback, but there was an injury. 
Uh, Bama just, you know, the, the teacher or the master beat the uh, the student this time. I, I can't remember what it is, but I think that now Kirby Smart is one and four against Nick Saban, and he has not beat him in an SEC championship game, but he has beat him in a college football playoff game. So Yeah, I was going to say Saban's undefeated against him in the SEC title game, but college football playoffs, a different story. Still, ultimately, Saban's dominated their head-to-head matchup, even though Kirby has got one over him in the playoffs. Jalen Melrose played a very good game, in my opinion. Like you said, the two touchdowns through the air. He didn't get much on the ground, 29 yards, no touchdowns. But he had a long of 30. He was sacked a handful of times. But he played a hell of a game to lead his team to victory. He escaped pressure on numerous occasions to extend the play. Bama was also missing running back one, Jace McClellan. So Roydell Williams and J.M. Miller stepped up. Roydell had 64 and a touchdown. He really didn't get going too much. 16 carries for 64 yards. And Jermaine Burton scored a touchdown against his former Georgia Bulldogs. So that must have felt damn good for him in this one and to come away with a W over them. But Bama's offense wasn't too impressing either. either. This was mostly a defensive game. And yeah, it was I mean, a good one to watch. I, I was, to be honest, with the way Bowers and McConkie were playing, I figured that they would let some of their younger guys who were healthy play a little bit more. Like I was hoping for some Oscar Delp. It didn't happen. I, I know Brock Bowers was the leading receiver for for Georgia with 53 yards, five catches on eight targets. But man, that uh, what is it? I can't. A Smith. I always think Anaya Smith, but I know that's not it for the for the Bulldogs. He had one catch fifty one yards. Like that kid should have been playing a lot more than than that. He had two targets. You know, to me, Georgia's play calling and personnel just didn't make sense. Bama won. I mean, it was a like you said, tough, hard nosed defensive struggle, and Bama just outlasted them enough. One by three. It was a good game. I loved watching this game, but Georgia screwed me on quite a few bets. Yeah, I was staying away from this one. I thought Bama would ultimately walk away with it. But you never know. Georgia had won 29 straight games, back-to-back champions, and all that good stuff that we'll talk about here in a little bit once again. And next up, Michigan and Iowa fighting it out for the Big Ten title, if you want to call it that. Michigan wins 26-0. J.J. McCarthy, very efficient, 22-30. For only 147, no touchdowns, no picks. Blake Corm, a pair of touchdowns on the ground. Michigan's defense dominated the entire game. They've recovered three fumbles. Uh, Samaj Morgan, true freshman, had an electrifying 87-yard punt return. He just couldn't get in the end zone. He lost steam at about the 10 and was tackled at 5. But other than that, Iowa's offense was bad, as you would expect. Their defense was pretty good for most of the game. But Michigan still blanked them 26 to nothing, and they are headed to the playoff. Yeah, I mean, to me, there's not much to talk about this game. I, I would be a butthole if I didn't say it, but I was hoping for Iowa to possibly pull the upset, but I knew there was no way in heck that would happen. Uh, their, their offense, you know, I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but long, I think it was uh, their – Offensive coordinator beginning of the season, regardless of what their record was, they needed to average like 28 points a game for him to get an extension. And they said like four games ago that he wasn't going to be back for next year. So this, this Iowa offense is, is absolutely bad. They made the Big Ten championship game averaging like 22 and a half points a game. 
and obviously Michigan's defense is is best in the country. So, you know, the, to me, this game was in a way quite boring to watch. I'm not a Michigan fan like you, so you know that. And I, I'm still a little bitter about the Buckeyes last week, uh, but yeah, and Michigan controlled the game. I mean, really couldn't do no wrong. Like you said, Iowa's defense is pretty good though. So, you know, for them to hold Blake Corum to 52 rushing yards and uh, JJ to sub 150 passing yards, uh, 147. I mean, they they played good on defense, but the offense is absolutely terrible. Yeah, and they good field position a couple of different times. I know they started on the plus side of the 50 once and then fumbled it away three plays later. But that's Iowa for you. I mean, honestly, they don't deserve to be on this kind of stage. But unfortunately, the Big Ten has had the very flawed division system. So we haven't had a good Big Ten title game since they went to the divisions or since they brought on the title game. But that will all change next year. As long as they don't stack the same side of this. Well, no, there's going to be no divisions. Yeah, there's no divisions. Yeah, next year should be good. As long as not everybody beats up on everybody. But we'll see. Yeah, you never know. But it'll be fun regardless. On to the last game of the day that just wrapped up moments ago, Florida State and Louisville. Florida State wins 16-6. to This was an ugly game to watch. Brock Lynn, the true freshman, got the start for Florida State. Tade Rotomaker out with the concussion. He's still in the protocol, so he was not able to go today. So the true freshman came in who had thrown a whopping four pass attempts before today. But they got it done. Trey Benson had 67 on the ground. Lawrence Toafili was the star of the show. 10 for 118 in a touchdown. He had a 73-yard touchdown. Uh, receiving. Man, just absolutely terrible. Johnny Wilson, two for th- three. Yeah. One of them being Trey guys. Benson. All right. I mean, the high man, Johnny Wilson, with 21 yards. Wow. But the defense showed up. Jared Verse was a wrecking ball as normal. They got it done. That's what matters. Survive in advance, and now they are still in the conversation for the playoff. And that's where we will turn our attention to here. We're going to go ahead and talk what we think is going to happen with the playoff rankings and whatnot. So, all right, let's get into it. Obviously, should be number one, Michigan. Who knows with this committee, they absolutely hate Michigan, as does the rest of the college football world. But ultimately, they should be number one. I don't think there's any question that Washington should leapfrog them or anyone else. Took care of business once again. They had the best one of the season, in my opinion, against Ohio State. So Michigan should be number one. By default, Washington should be number two. Undefeated, beat Oregon twice, beat USC. They've had a really good season. Then it gets hairy. This is the fun part of the discussion. We got Texas, Bama, Florida State, and Georgia battling out for two spots. Again, Florida State ended undefeated. Power Five Conference champion. Alabama, SEC champion. Georgia, one loss is to Alabama. And then Texas, the Big 12 champion, who beat Alabama at home by 10. It's a tough one, man. I don't know where the committee's going to go with this one. They, they're never consistent. You never know what exactly they're looking for, whether it's resume, best team, style points, whatever. You have no idea what they're thinking in that room. So I'll let you take the take the lead on this one. 
Who's your well, number three in Florida right now? Oh, well, I, I would like to say that, you know, obviously you and I were talking about this and we were kind of in a bit of a disagreement until uh, the Michigan game was about to kick off and you know, they started talking about it. And I mean, I was thinking that they would throw Bama and Georgia in there at first um, solely because, you know, it was a f- hard fought, you know, game, super close. Three-point game. Georgia wasn't 100% healthy. To me, I, I think that that would probably be – I think Georgia's a top-four team, personally. I absolutely mm-hmm. think that they're mm-hmm. – uh, talent-wise, and, and I, I think they're a top-four team. Um, but I think that, you know, by the way that the, the big heads are talking, that the conference championship, it, you know, being a conference champ actually should be – is going to mean something this year, which is something that – you know, should have been the case every uh-huh. year, the the playoff, you know, because they've always talked about it, but it doesn't seem like it's ever weighed in much. Maybe it finally does. And if it does, I think Bama's got to be three. They just beat the number one team. To me, that, that makes the most sense. They were at number eight. And then you throw Bama in there. By de facto, you kind of got to take Texas in too because Texas beat Bama at Bama. Yeah, uh, that's that's a little bit like like I said, originally I said Bama and Georgia, Bama three, Georgia four, because I do think that Georgia is a top four team talent wise. This should be the four best teams, not the four most deserving teams. But again, it's hard to turn away from Texas with the way Texas beat or won the Big 12 championship. So yeah. where I'm at now is, is Bama and Texas, man. Yeah, where I'm at now is Bama and Texas. OK, no, not that matters. But do you have Florida State ahead of Georgia? Prop no, because, I mean, like I said, originally I was Bama and Georgia, Bama three, Georgia four, and then, you know, listen to everybody talk. The Texas thing makes sense because beating Bama at Bama. Uh, I I would have Georgia at five, FSU at six, and Ohio State at seven. Yeah. Crazy Ohio State fan drops Ohio State one rank after the conference championship games, but if Florida State had Jordan Travis, this would be a hell of a lot more interesting. But without Jordan Travis, I feel like this is a lot easier. I don't know about that, man. I don't know. Because the committee still had Florida State in the top four even after the Jordan Travis injury. I think there were two rankings after his injury, if I'm not mistaken. So I think if they were going to bump them out, I think they probably would have done it before then when Oregon was red hot even though Florida State was undefeated and Oregon had one loss. I would imagine they probably should have put Oregon above them at that point. But it's just crazy because we're talking about coming into this week, the number seven and number eight teams. Leapfrogging a team that was at number one and dropping, and Florida State who won at number four and going to leapfrog them as well. For me, I I have it the same. Texas-Bama. But I have Bama at the four seed. I think they'll both I mean, get in, fair. but they'll look at the tiebreaker. And, you know, Texas beat Bama. They deserve the higher seed. I hope not being a Michigan fan. I'm hoping Florida State gets in ultimately. I want, if it was me picking, I would probably have Michigan, Washington, Texas, Florida State. Bama's deserving. Not saying they're not. You think, do you think Florida State's a top four team? Well, that's the thing, though. It's supposed to be the four best. No, but that's what I'm asking. Are they a, are they a top four team? Do you think talent wise they're a top four team? 
Probably not. Probably not. But is Texas? Probably not. Probably not. Is Washington? Probably not. Yeah. I mean, we're to me, it's Michigan, Bama, Georgia, easily the top three most talented teams right now. And then maybe you're probably looking at Texas, I'd say. But I think outside of those three, it's throw whoever in there. There's really not a big case to be made for one or the other, in my opinion, for best team. But that's the whole terrible thing about this committee. Who's going off best team, off deserving? We don't know. It's right. you know The quote-unquote idea is supposed to be the best four, whether you're deserving or not. But we've seen Cincinnati. They were most deserving. They definitely were not a top-four team. But they weren't defeated and most deserving, so they got in. So that's what's going to come down to is what they're thinking, and we have no earthly idea. But like I said, as a Michigan fan, I don't want to see Florida State in that four seat. I do not want to see Alabama or Texas. But either my prediction for the whole shebang, I think we're going to see a Michigan and Texas or Alabama matchup. We've got the same top four teams. It's just you have them flipped. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Washington reason, wins against the only reason I anyone. say sorry. No, I I, I agree. Um, I I'm going to keep betting against Washington, and I'm probably going to get burnt doing it. But I think whoever they have at three, regard like you said, if it's if it's Bama or Texas, I don't think Washington wins. I I don't yeah. think their defense is good enough to contend with what Texas just did. And I think Alabama's defense is way too good. Um, but what I was getting ready to say was that um, you said that you had Texas at three and Bama at four is how yeah. you would have it. Yeah. The only reason, see, you go that route and you say that Bama's win against Georgia does more for Texas than Bama, which to me is absolutely crazy considering Alabama was ranked ahead of Texas before this week. Alabama was right. Or no, nope, Texas, Texas, was Texas was seven. Alabama was eight. Never mind then. No, you're probably eight, right. Then you do that. Then you're basically saying the head to head matchup doesn't matter. One on the road by double digits doesn't matter at all. Yeah. I don't think you can do that. I, I mean, personally, I don't think you can leave Florida State out as the committee either. There'd be too much backlash, too much criticism. You got an undefeated Power Five conference team and you're leaving them out when you've had them top four this whole entire way. I yeah, think we, that'll we be always... the interesting thing is if they go with the, I guess, politically correct move and put the undefeated team in over a one-loss team that is clearly better on paper. So you think the PC route would be putting Florida State at four, leaving them at four? Yeah. So who, would you, have, who would you have at three? Texas. And that no. situation. Yep. No, there's no way. I mean, I just don't know how you can argue. Texas already beat them. That was what week three. Doesn't really matter. I mean, Ohio, it does, Ohio it does. State beat Notre Dame back in week four, but that was the big win boosting them up to number one in the previous ranking. Notre Dame won that same team when Ohio State was number one in the ranking. They were a much different team with a couple more losses. But they still said, "Well, you beat a top ten team in Notre Dame on the road at the time." So that I'm, held a lot I'm, of weight. That's why I think this tracks with the committee. They've already kind of put it out there. It doesn't matter what the team is currently. It's what they were when you beat them. 
see that doesn't make sense because like. we want to look at the teams as they stand today. You know, because to me, a Florida State is not a top four team. There, there's no way. Florida State with a second or third string quarterback are probably lucky to be a top ten team. To be completely honest, probably. Um, no, I just I'm I'm trying to think of of the logic here behind it. I I. There is no damn logic with this committee. No, well, I mean, my I guess my opinion is like if we're going to leave Florida State in at four, then we drop Georgia to three. Fuck it. Make it easy. Keep keep Texas and Alabama out. Yeah, but then again, you're throwing away the head to head thing. Alabama I, I, just I beat, think Alabama just going to be. Well, Georgia's won 29 straight back to back national champions. Blah blah blah. I'm Although afraid they shouldn't that's going to hold weight when it should be have absolute no no relevance to this. You're talking about 2023 season that kicked off in late August. Right. It don't matter you won two national champions. I saw some of the talking heads saying that. Well, how can you leave out a team that won 29 straight until today? Because they lost today. It's that simple. They didn't win today when they needed to win. People, they were saying the same thing. Well, if Michigan loses, they're out. They've been the most dominant team, arguably, all season. I mean, if we're going by the logic of Georgia being out after losing to Alabama, if Michigan lost, they're out. I mean, to me, that that logic is logic. Yes, and when have we ever seen a number one team lose and drop all the way to, at war, at best, number five? I don't think we've ever seen that in any kind of the rankings. I mean, it's it's pretty similar to what Ohio State just did with Michigan. I know Ohio State wasn't number one, but they dropped from two to six. One to five would be, a, you know, but that would be a loss to the team right behind you. Uh, but regardless, I, I, dude, I'm having a really hard time not saying they have both Bama and Georgia in the playoffs. I, I get I don't, I don't well, think my, my, my problem is that everybody thinks, and I keep hearing this, is if you have – Bama in, Texas automatically has to come in. I don't know if that's the case. I think it should be the case, looking mm-hmm. at it now. But I don't know if that's the case. Because yeah, if you leave out Texas and you put Bama in, along with Georgia or Florida State, then you're saying the regular season doesn't matter. The play on the, the field, you beat that team. The, but the it worst. don't matter. The worst thing that Texas has going for is that loss, though. They lost to Oklahoma, and that is not a good loss. Alabama's loss is to Texas. It's a great loss. Texas is a top six team, top seven team. Yeah, Georgia's but, Georgia's only loss is to a top eight team in the SEC. But hear, hear me out. Like you said, Georgia's banged up, missing a starter to banged up Brock Bowers, Lad McConkey. So they beat an inferior Georgia team today. What did they do last week in the Iron Bowl? They got outplayed by Auburn until 31 seconds or 22 seconds left on a fourth and goal from the 31, a prayer thrown to the back corner of the end zone. They were outplayed by Auburn in that game. No, no, absolutely. They got then they, they got lucky. Team that's banged up. Right. So I think Texas is the better team. Yeah, I, I think I think they're the better team. I don't think I'm, Bama is coming in as 
a typical Bama that we've seen in the past. You know, they lucked out against Auburn, and arguably, if Georgia's at full strength today, they probably could have won the game. I think if Georgia's fully healthy, I think they do win the game. I think it's still close, but I think they win by at least seven. Um, so your argument is just Texas. I think Texas is in it. Yeah, I think they will be number three regardless. And then if you leave Bama out over Georgia, that's a, the incorrect call in my opinion, but then that makes your case for Texas that the Bama win did boost them a little bit because they're the SEC champions. But then they leave Georgia in probably because of what they've done in the past. So I don't see how you can argue Georgia should be in when their best two wins were at home to Missouri and I think Ole Miss. And yes. granted, they were ranked like 9 and 11 at this point. But they absolutely mollywhopped Ole Miss, though. Yeah. In Missouri, they won by double digits. So I don't know. Their, their resume is not very impressive either for them to be in, you know, an at large bid, in my opinion. I mean, Florida yeah. State doesn't have a very impressive resume either, but they didn't lose. And you can only play who's in front of you. If I, I can't remember exactly, but I was listening again. I shouldn't say remember exactly. I just don't remember the episode exactly. But I was listening to Joe Clatt and all these scenarios during the week. And in this exact instance, you know, Georgia losing blah, blah, blah. Um, Georgia and Florida State only have two top 25 victories. Whereas all yeah. the other team we're mentioning have at least three. Yeah. So if we're going off resumes, which we've gone off in the past, the last couple of weeks with Ohio State being at two. Bama and Texas. I think I'm sticking to that one. I think I'm sticking to Bama at three and Texas at four. I get what you're saying about the head-to-head, but Bama's win just now is, to me, more impressive than Texas beating Bama in week three, week four. Yeah. Teach their own on that one. I don't I think don't Bama's think a top-four team. No. No. I, I just don't think you can – Two teams, both conference champions, same record, and say, well, you, it looks like you're playing better right now, so you're ahead, even though you lost to the other team. I just don't think you can do that. And again, I don't think you can leave out Florida State, so it's a big conundrum. It's probably the the toughest year for the committee, I would say. And like last year, Ohio State got in when arguably they shouldn't have after losing, but there was really no other – there was a lot of chaos. There was a lot of chaos. Like USC losing to Utah again, mm-hmm. to me, is what sealed that deal. I didn't. I mean, I'm with you. I didn't think we deserved to be there either. But by de facto, the craziness that ensued in conference championship week, the chips just fell the right way. Uh, this yeah, year, this is like big... you said, is totally this. This is like a perfect example of why we should have a eight, twelve team playoff. Yeah, you know, because. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Florida State's a top four team. I don't think they're close. They are deserving. They are undefeated. They 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 should be there. I, I agree with you on that. I think that regardless of who they play, if they were in, they lose. I don't think they stand a chance against any of the top three teams. So to yeah. me, Florida, I don't think Florida State this year makes sense. If they had Jordan Travis, that's a totally different discussion. I think if they have Jordan Travis, they are a top four team and they could probably beat any of the top four teams. Yeah, it's a bad thing with committee, too. It's different year to year. 
Yeah, but it's not the same people. It's it's different ADs every year. They definitely have their work cut out for them. I mean, this is going to be – I can't wait till tomorrow. Yeah, thankfully it's at noon. They don't make us wait till 7 o'clock like they do on Tuesdays. Get out of the way for the NFL games. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch, and I guess, which is news to me, I had no idea about this rule somehow. But I guess the number one seed gets to pick their the semifinal game, like the site. Oh yeah, yeah, no, that's been like that for years. Yep, had no clue. I don't know how it went over my head, but now I'm curious, Michigan, if they're gonna pick the good old Rose Bowl in Pasadena. Or going to head to Atlanta in the Sugar Bowl. That will be an interesting one. There's there's really no great site for like the Midwestern teams. So we got New Orleans, and then we got Miami. If I'm not mistaken. Or, you know, the other two possible ones. I think Dallas might be one. If the Cotton Bowl's up there. Yeah, it's it's, so... For years past, it's like Rose Bowl, Cotton Bowl, Sugar Bowl, Orange, Orange Bowl, Florida, yeah, Miami, yeah, yeah. So those are your four, your four locations. But I don't know what determines that. Do they just flip every other season? It's rotated on some kind of thing. Like yeah. this year's the Sugar and the Rose. I got. So you. it'll be interesting which one they pick. If they pick it. Atlanta, I might get lucky. I'm only about four hours away from Atlanta. Yeah, you might might have to take a trip, my friend. I, I just might. I mean, but for it, you, it, I hope I hope they do. And if they do, I'm gonna go with you and I'm gonna wear my scarlet and gray. You don't have to leave you behind the parking lot and take your ticket with me. Oh, no, can't I'll have that bad there. mojo. Go in there when you guys lose the Florida State. It'll be like, what's up? It'll be interesting. I'm sure they'll pick Pasadena, you know, the history out in the Rose Bowl. Michigan they, fans travel well. Yeah, and with the, you know, like you say, more history, Big Ten, Pac-12, Pac-10, whatever, you know, that used to be what the Rose Bowl was. So I think it makes more sense. Especially playing Bama or Texas in our scenarios, or even Florida State. Make the Rose them travel. Bowl is a lot farther than Atlanta and the Sugar yeah. Bowl. Yeah, make them travel. Absolutely. Exactly. But that's about all I got on this subject. So a little recap. I personally think it's going to be Michigan, Washington, Texas, Bama, one through four. And you said Michigan, Washington, Bama, Texas, right? So we're just flip-flopped on three and four. Yeah, I think that's where I'm going. I want to say Bama, Georgia. But I get it. it. It's going to be interesting. I can't wait to watch the show and hear the... What is he, the chairman of the committee, I think, is his proper title. Can't wait to see him come on after they announce it and him his give the rationale what they looked what they looked at. What was the deciding factor for the last two spots? I mean, obviously, Michigan and Washington are locked. I mean, there's no, no questions about that. They're one and two. But three and four, man. Yeah. Hate to be, hate to be that guy. Yeah, I, don't, I would not want to be on the committee this year. There's really... No right answer, because you can make a case for all four teams. No, you really can. I mean, we we basically have. You know, Texas has the best win against Bama. Bama has the second best win against Georgia. And Georgia's been the back-to-back national champ, one twenty-nine in a row. You know, they're good. They were banged up, lost to a, a 
worst Bama team, in my opinion. Florida, Florida State has no good wins. Florida State's undefeated. LSU beat the likely Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah, but that was when you were healthy. That's okay. It's all about resumes. No, it is. I mean, there, there's a discussion for all these teams. It's just... I believe I also that the... Give me the BCS ranking system with a 12-team playoff, and I'm one happy man. Yeah, I know we used to complain. I say we because I was included about how bad the BCS was. I'd take that with the playoffs over this, because at least then we know. It'd be a perfect match. No more objectivity. Leave it up to the computers. I think it'd be better than the eye test, because I guess my eyes are different than theirs. Yeah, and I've never been a big fan because, you know, they're ADs and whatnot. They might have their own agenda, which they shouldn't. They're not allowed to, but you never know. If they've got skin in the game, it's – yeah, if they've got skin in the game, it's going to happen. I believe – I mean, I hate to bring it up and, you know, blah, 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 but uh, Gene Smith was a part of that 2014 uh, committee when Ohio State went as the number four seed, and that was Mm -hmm. the year we won it. So, you know, he got lucky there, but – Yeah, you're telling me he didn't vote for his own school to get in? Oh, he absolutely did. Or he didn't, you know, because they all watch the games today. They all watch them together in Grapevine or something like that. Texas starts with a G. The whole committee watches the same room, watches all the games today for the first time all season. Tell me the ADs of schools involved aren't lobbying for their teams, talking to these other guys about the games and what's going on and whatnot. Oh, look at that play. Look at that play. Yeah, no, they absolutely are. I'll just leave it up to the computers and give us an expanded playoff. Makes yeah, both sides of the of the fence happy. The bad thing is the more we expand it, it's, you're never going to make everybody happy. We're going to go no. to, what, what 12 and be like, oh, well, we're number 14. We should be 12. It's, it's going to be never expanding. We might as well just say go college basketball style and just do a 60-14 playoff. I wouldn't be mad. Screw it. We'll only play eight games this season, and from there we'll start March Madness. Well, I mean, October Madness. I would be happy with eight teams, but they want to reward the top four with a bye, which I completely understand. Yeah. But, I don't know, go to eight. Like this year, eight would be perfect because we would sneak Ohio State in, and we'd possibly sneak in Oregon. I still, I mean, I know that they lost to Washington twice, but I still think Oregon's a top eight team. They lost to Washington by a total of six points in two games, right? Oregon's a, a darn good team. No, I think Oregon makes it. Obviously, Ohio State does. They're ranked six. I think they drop one. Florida State makes it. And who are we forgetting? Is that it? Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you got Ohio State and Oregon. To me, that make that make that would be perfect. Yeah, you get Oregon, I, I, Michigan, Ohio State, Washington. Be is a good it, old is time. It, is it next year? Do they expand to 12 next year? It's either, it's either next year or 25. I can't remember which one. Yeah, I can't either. Regardless, I I, it can be changed. I don't think it's like a set in stone type deal. Stone. I think they can change in the meantime if they choose to. Which this should be a case why they should not. And I'm sure the committee is going to be like, yeah, let's, let's go to 12. That makes our job so much easier. So if they went to eight without the first round by, I mean, that would be... Would be great. My my only I think eight concern. Would be perfect. My only concern is you're adding an extra set of games. 
And I get yeah. that. You know, we love that. We, you know, more football. But, you know, assuming you win a conference championship or at least play in the conference championship game and you go championship, win championship, you're talking 15 games. If it's eight, now you're talking 16. Do we reduce the your regular season game count? No, nope, you know take what I mean? away that, that money. That's what I'm Maybe saying, not. though. I mean, now we're talking about almost an NFL-like schedule. I mean, kind of, but you got to think. After today, you know, the playoffs aren't until the first of the year. You're getting four weeks off. So if we go Cut to a week this, out of that, if we go to like when we go to this 12 team playoff, we're going to go two weeks from now and do the first round. I assume so. And then I another two weeks. Be the same thing. Like the first New Year's Eve or New Year's Day will be the final four. Yeah. And then, you know, the national titles two weeks later. Or is it just a week? Uh, I think it's usually. I think like it's just a week. The like Super Bowl is two weeks. Yeah, so it's the following week. So it's perfect. Just start it week before Christmas. Yeah, because I, I don't think the championship game is ever on the weekend. I think it's during the week. Yeah, it's, it's Monday. Just, yeah. It'd be you know the, you get a four week break here. You can slide in, cut that to a two week break, and you'd be fine. Yeah, two, two you, week. I'm with you. Two week break, two week break, week wait, week break. Exactly. It's, I mean, it's going to be a daunting test because obviously you're playing, you know, crazy good opponents. But, well, really, the top four teams, you go to a 12 week or 12 games or 12 teams. Yeah, how would that work? Well, the top four teams would obviously have a buy, so they would all get. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, because you know, top four get a buy, then you have four first round games, four first round winners meet the top four buy teams, and then they play, you know, one a week here and this year. Then they move on to the semifinals in New Year. I'm excited for it, regardless. More play. It'll be interesting to see if they do home matchups or if it's straight neutral sites. See what I heard was that those the teams that get the buys get a their first game is home, mm-hmm. which which to me is a lot of incentive because then you can you know rake in more money for your university and have home field advantage. But you've got to truly designate you know whatever the percentages of tickets to the other team. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, just like NFL, you know, it's not neutral site till the big game. Right, but you got to truly designate 30% or 25% to the other team. You just got to give them to them. Say, here, you distribute, do what you want. Right. It'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out in about 12 hours from now. But we'll go ahead and get out of here. You can, again, give us all a follow on Twitter, if you will, at Gump7285, at D underscore Cook93. You can follow our other podcast at, sorry, at Gridiron underscore FS. And then, of course, at Destination Debbie. And check out my Debbie Buys and Sells. That just came out yesterday on Friday. And that's it. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. And we'll see you again on the next one. Going over and previewing the actual college football playoff matchups, as well as some bowl games, some more transfer portal news. So we'll see you again next Saturday. See you. Thanks for listening.